Welcome to the I Hate Critics Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerl. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick and Jeff Lasseter. Visit us at IHateCritics.net. Everyone's a CriticPodcast.com. We're also at IHateCritics.com. Uh, we're on all the social media platforms. On Facebook, it's I Hate Critics. It's Critics Pod everywhere else, or at least most everywhere else. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to the show there. Uh, hit the little bell up in the corner to uh, get notified of when a new episode drops. Uh, we're on all your podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Alexa. Uh, subscribe to the show. Rate and view the show, especially on Apple Podcasts. We'll read your review on the air. And then patreon.com slash criticspod is the best way to help support the podcast. And there you can get some of our bonus episodes like the Friday the 13th part one and two commentary tracks that uh sean and jeff did along with a wide variety of other content that's never hit our mainstream uh and then tpublic.com uh and search critics pod to get some of our podcast merch sean where can people uh read your reviews uh you can find me on uh, geeks.media horror.media and uh first uh com is the archive blog with over 20 years and uh, 2,000 movie reviews. And Jeff, where can people find you? All my stuff is at jefflasseter.com uh, My Etsy shop is Jeff Lasseter Pop Cult. Go there, buy stuff. Um, yeah, make me happy. <laughs> Excellent. All those links are in our show notes as well. Uh, well, uh, just really quick, I will be in uh, Chicago, Rosemont, in uh, a little less than two weeks at Days of the Dead. Come and see me there if you're in the Chicagoland area. Uh, working on some new stuff to have printed this week for that. Um, so, yeah, just in case you're <laughs> looking for something to do that weekend. Terrific. That's cool. All right. Sure. Lots and lots of people. <laughs> yep. Uh, Sean, you want to talk about the critics documentary awards or my, yeah, if you're, if you're into documentaries, if, uh, if you like documentaries, the documentary awards will be broadcast on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook Sunday night. Uh, and, uh, the nominees this year for best documentary are 20 days in Mariupol, which is uh, incredible. Uh, American symphony on Netflix, uh, beyond utopia. The Deepest Breath, also on Netflix. The Eternal Memory, uh, Judy Bloom Forever, which is on Amazon. Uh, Kokomo City, uh, The Mission from National Geographic, which is also on their platform. Stamp from the Beginning on Netflix. And still, a Michael J. Fox movie on Apple TV. Uh, really no like uh, st- like standout, like one that is expected to win. I know a lot of people thought maybe Michael J. Fox uh, documentary might be the, the favorite, but... Uh, uh, honestly, it's it's really uh, it's pretty divided in terms of the t- number of uh, the number of nominations that have gone to to different movies. And I guess if if I've got a surprise pick, uh, American Symphony on Netflix, I think has a good shot of winning this weekend. No love for Arnold or Sly. <laughs> uh, that did uh, the the Sylvester Stallone documentary did get a nomination in uh, one of the categories. I'm not sure off the top of my head which one. But it did get a nomination, yeah. Do you guys seen that one yet? Uh, no, I have not. Uh, no, I didn't get a chance to watch that one. I I watched so many documentaries. Right. Like, I watched all the ones I just named. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. I mean, I've, I've 
I've been through a lot in terms of documentaries, but that I just was like, I wasn't sure that wasn't just going to be in competition, right? Uh, enough to take time with it. No, uh, I, the Aaron were also, by the way, nominated for best music documentary. So. What was that? Sorry, I made a noise when you said uh, Taylor that. Swift, the Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, nominated for best music documentary. Nice. What about the talking? Oh, that was that old one. It re-released. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, I do recommend Sly though. It was pretty fascinating. I haven't seen Arnold yet, uh, but I am a Stallone fan. Apologist, I should say, not fan. <laughs> uh, all right, let's start with new movies, and we'll start with one Sean hasn't seen: The Marsh King. Marsh King's daughter is actually. It's the story of a woman who grew up in the wilderness with her father and her mother. And about 20 minutes into the movie, you realize that she was born to her mother who was kidnapped by this man who is known colloquially as the Marsh King. He is arrested, taken into custody and goes away for 20 years. Uh, She grows up, has a daughter of her own, a husband and ends up, uh, he, uh, the father ends up escaping after from being transported, and she's not quite sure if he's going to find out where she is or if she is, you know, still around. Even um, she had her mother has died recently. Uh, the police officer who rescued them is her stepfather, and. He knows that she knows that he's gonna that father is gonna come back, and you know he he eventually finds her, and how that all plays out is kind of the the crux of her story. I thought I I thought it was pretty good. Um, Daisy Ridley plays uh, the, the protagonist, and she is. It took me about ten minutes of her performance because she doesn't show up for a while into the movie, but it took me about 10 minutes into her performance to forget that she was Ray in star Wars. Um, she has an accent. Uh, she has put on an American accent. She, uh, she plays it really well. Uh, her, her father is also in star Wars, Ben Mendelsohn. I mean, he's been in other stuff, obviously, but, um, it, as I was watching it, I was like, this seems like one of those, uh, you know, those trade paperback where the crawdads sing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it plays out quite a bit like that. <laughs> so I, I was not surprised at the end of the movie watching the credits that, yeah, it was based on one of those quote unquote chiclet books. Mm, okay. Um, but it was, a, it was a, it was a fairly good movie. It was not, you know, nobody's going to win an act, win uh, an acting Oscar for it. It was competently directed. It's it's a movie that if you're if you're looking for something to see and you don't you know you don't want to see Taylor Swift for the third or fourth time, uh, go see this. It's it does have the um, you know it it it's not unpredictable necessarily, but it does take a couple twists and turns and you find out a couple things about the characters that you're not really expecting. Hmm. This movie's getting absolutely killed on, on 
Rotten Tomatoes, about 34% positive. A lot of people comparing it to just a lot of really bad thrillers, at least for the final act. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's not it's not great. It's not bad, though. I don't think it's terrible. Um, it, it does follow, if you've ever read those chiclet books or anything like that, it does follow the same tropes. Um, but again, not not terrible. It's not terrible. I don't, you know, it's not the best movie I've ever seen, but fairly good. I think, uh, I think Frank Sheck at the Hollywood Reporter probably, probably has a, uh, an agreement with you. He called it B movie material elevated by a level performance. Yeah, that, that works. And in fairness, the audience score is much higher than the critic score (laughs) at 76%. This is the movie that moms take their daughters to see um, Taylor Swift, and then they go and watch this. <laughs> so it's Twilight. All right. All right. Uh, then let's move on to, I guess, what's the big movie of the week? Uh, Priscilla. Priscilla, starring Kaylee Spaney and uh, Jacob Elordi, and directed, of course, by Sophia Coppola, is based on a, the uh, book by... Priscilla Presley, who, of course, is Elvis's wife, the mother of Lisa Marie, and uh, tells her story about meeting Elvis when she was very, very young and sort of being groomed into being his perfect wife. Uh, in, there's a, there are so many strange things about Elvis, but among the strangest is his sort of oddball sort of Christian faith that he had. Uh, he's one of these guys who believes that you can't necessarily just have sex with your wife. Uh, you can have sex with anybody else. <laughs> Lots of other women, you know, loose women, they, you can have sex with them, but your wife is holy. And so his relationship to Lisa Marie is strange because he does meet her when she's 14 years old, a very young 14 years old, and prepares her, you know, takes interest in her, uh, starts kind of getting interested in her becoming his wife eventually, but he's not interested in sleeping with her. And that's part of this like kind of ludicrous notion of, of, of Christianity that he has. <laughs> he, he wants her to be pure. He wants her to be of service to him at all times. He wants her to listen to him, complain about things, but never offer any kind of you know, solution or, or any response to anything that he's saying uh, because she's a woman and she wouldn't understand things. Uh, that's that's his you know sort of take on it, and the movie is really kind of right in Sofia Coppola's wheelhouse, oddly enough, because it's about this person who is just insanely bored all day. <laughs> Priscilla herself just has this very boring life where she can't even get her husband to sleep with her uh, because of this whole you know this ridiculous way he approaches sexuality. Uh, but she also just she's not allowed to have a life outside of him. She's not allowed to have friends outside of their home. Uh, she's not allowed to have a job or anything like that. So she's completely cut off from the world. And you get a sense of a man who is an abuser, but doesn't realize that he's an abuser. And these are the tactics of an abuser, separating somebody from their family or their support, uh, unit, cutting, off, cutting them off from anybody who isn't, you know, you or, or someone close to you uh, is, is a tactic. And, you know, there's just several different instances where you can see that he is being emotionally and financially abusive toward her because she's not allowed to have her own money either. She can't do that either. Uh, and again, it comes back to being 
that he is an abuser, but he also, it's not an abuse that you recognize right away because he doesn't hit her. He wasn't even sexually aggressive towards her as a child. Uh, it was more that he was just uh, very emotionally abusive, withholding and and preventing her from having her own life until finally she was able to escape him at his when he's starting to reach his lowest points with drugs. That's when she's able to get away. How does it... Did you see it, Bob? I did not. What did you think of it, Jeff? Um, I thought it was... A, it, it was beautifully shot, but it was very standard biopic. And I wanted a little more after. I know that it was based on the book Elvis and Me... So I know that that's kind of the bookends of the story is when she meets Elvis to the time she leaves him. But I wanted a little more. I, I felt that, you know, I got that she was bored. I got that she couldn't have friends because, you know, he was Elvis and a lot of people just kind of would use her to get to him. Um, I also thought that, you know, the performances were really good. I, 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 I just, J.K. Valorty was just Elvis, you know, he, I, I didn't, I wasn't distracted, you know, by knowing who Elvis was. Um, but it was just very kind of by the numbers. Okay. This is, this happened and this happened and this happened. Um, that was my only like negative about it. I, it was beautiful. It was, you know, I, I got who Priscilla was as a young girl. Um, but I didn't seem to I I didn't feel like she was really blossoming into a woman until like the last couple scenes where she was, you know, older and had had a baby, had been married. And I never got the, you know, the descent into her leaving him. I, you know, I, I just felt like she should have left him a lot earlier and you know, she was an object. That's all she was. And the fact that he kind of let her go, you know, he was just kind of like, okay, whatever, you know, it wasn't, you know, stay, stay. Um, yeah, I liked a lot of the supporting characters. Kind of like Grandma, who was played by Lynn Griffin from Black Christmas. I was tickled to see her. Um, you know, the... <clears throat> His entourage was a lot of fun, and I got the I got the impression that they they saw her as an object as well because they'd been with Elvis for so much longer. So overall, it was good. I just it was a standard biopic to me, and I ex- kind of expected more from Sofia Coppola. I thought there was a great deal more. I think this movie's incredible. Uh, the, from the look of it to the to the performances, I thought Kaylee Spaney absolutely absolutely nailed this and what what Sofia Coppola was going for was demonstrating these idea th- this notion of abuse that people fail to recognize that abuse can be more than just physical abuse it can be emotional and financial and uh, just neglect uh between a husband and wife can be can be uh, abusive in a way and uh it's also instructive for for egotistical men to to you know, view a woman as property and treat her as such and treat her as if she just exists to serve uh, them. And I, I thought she I thought she made those points 
very well while also be while also continuing to keep up you know stylistically and make and make the movie visually engaging and uh and really i i was i was as usual i was just kind of hypnotized by by her uh, approach to to storytelling in her direction i get all that i just i it, it was a little episodic for me and it that was the only the only real negative was that i i kept waiting for something to happen you know and i think that that's more on the uh on the story than uh, like on her book than it is in sofia coppola's direction i think that's the point is that there it's not as big and dramatic as as anybody would like to to think it was the the most dramatic thing was that she was being controlled but it wasn't that uh she was being like i said it wasn't a showy form of abuse it wasn't uh, it wasn't the most exciting thing in the world to be married to Elvis. It was mostly I'm, you know, trapped at Graceland, unable to leave because I don't have any financial support or outside support of any kind. Uh, and that's really illustrative of, of, you know, again, a man who's being abusive who doesn't realize he's being abusive. Does it? Yeah, cha- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go say, ahead. Does it change your guys' opinion of Elvis at all? I mean, I know I mean, you I'm- knew a lot of this stuff already, but. I've always thought Elvis privately was probably a piece of shit. Uh, I mean, he's not, he could be worse. He could be a far worse human being, I'm sure, than, than he was. But he wasn't, you know, he, he's more just, I, I feel sorry for him in, in some ways because he seems, he seems to have a genuine ideal of you know, striving to be a good person. But he was constantly in his own way and would just, he was just a guy who really just wanted wanted to party and hang out with his guys. That's really more than what he wanted. And he dragged this young girl into this based off of, you know, his upbringing and the way that he, you know, he was brought up to, to view women. And I don't, like I said, it's, it's weird to look at an abuser and see, and not see somebody who's very obviously an abuser. Uh, and it really gets that point across very, very well, uh, far better than I'm getting it across. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I, I think Elvis is more of an empty vessel than ever, and I, I've kind of always felt that Elvis was kind of an empty vessel, uh, who always wanted to be more than he was, but never could be. And this movie certainly gets at that point. Well, there's something to be said about that level of fame and popularity. I mean, I just read the Britney Spears book, and I mean, it's it just we'll never truly understand what it's like to be that you know, separated from the world, you know, that movie where Elvis once, I don't know, I think Michael Shannon played him or whatever, where yeah, Elvis Nixon. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm sure there's, that's pretty realistic. I know they made it fun for us the way they, but I, that's, I could see him being that out of touch. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No question. <laughs> no question. That's based on true story. Especially when you look at the Elvis, the, like Elvis is out of focus in this movie. He's not really because he's not the center of this film, and you rarely even get to spend time with him. But he dominates any scene that he's in. Like he's he's talked about constantly because he is the center of her her world. But even when you know when Sophia Coppola puts them on screen together, Elvis is dominating most of the frame. But she keeps the focus on Kaylee Spain. She keeps the focus on Priscilla. And visually, that's so interesting. The way that he physically is dominating the frame but the focus isn't on him and that's uh, such a 
a really terrific, subtle piece of direction. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it's very well directed. Yeah, I mean, it'd been easy to make, and without having seen it, uh, like a hit piece on Elvis or anybody really. But uh, it seems like you know, a neat. Idea. Uh, seemed to think that this was a hit piece on her dad. She was, uh, she's uh, before she passed away. She was talking about how she was planning on boycotting the film and and doing interviews, talking about uh, uh, you know how she would. You know, tell the media how much she hated the film and how much it didn't depict the father that she knew, and uh, so there's there's that. But I don't know. This is Priscilla's story, and I think I think Sophia Coppola stayed as true as she possibly could to telling Priscilla's story. All right. Yeah, I mean, Priscilla Presley was an executive producer on it, and she's done interviews with Sophia Coppola saying that she didn't trust anybody else to tell this particular story. Uh, on screen, and she wouldn't have made it otherwise. All right. Uh, anything else on Priscilla before we move on? This one's in my in my top uh, top five, maybe top ten for the year. I think it's that good. Wow. What happens later? What happens later is uh, directed by Meg Ryan and starring Meg Ryan and David Duchovny in the story of uh, two people who were used to be a couple uh, in college some 30 some years ago or 40 some years ago actually and uh, they uh, end up at the same airport same midwestern airport in the middle of a storm and uh, are going to end up spending the next 24 hours together bouncing back and forth bickering having a uh, conversation about their you know their current lives their past lives their breakup uh, and and you know lots of revealing things lots of revealing you know, items of these conversations about, you know, why I decided to leave. Well, I didn't know that about why you decided to leave. Here's why I thought uh, I should leave, or here's why I thought we should break up. Or, uh, and, and it's very much sort of a, a, a kind of a boomer idea of a, of a before sunrise movie, which is not a, it sounds bad. It sounds worse than it is. It's not as bad as that, <laughs> but that's kind of the idea. It, it starts off with, you know, the company, uh, overselling the idea that his character is kind of a conservative and uh, her overselling the idea that she's a hippie. She's got like a rain stick and she's going to a friend's place in Boston to do a, a cleansing ceremony. So they're kind of hitting that a little bit too heavy. The company's character is on his way to Austin, Texas to uh, talk to his boss, who's a millennial who wants him to be in a safe space and whatnot. And he's making fun of that shit. So that gets tiresome very quickly, but once we get out of that first act and we've gotten away from those sort of establishing conversations, they do get into some deeper stuff and more emotional stuff. And you do kind of settle in with the Meg Ryan you've always known and enjoyed. And uh, for me, that was that that eventually did take hold. I was kind of enraptured. And there's a couple of really graceful, elegant moments uh, in this movie, including a, a, a dance sequence that occurs late in the film that is it's just the two of them alone in the airport. Uh, by this point, we've established sort of a magical realism in which there's nobody else in the airport, and and even you know everything is even kind of speaking to them specifically. Uh, so we know we're kind of like in this sort of alternate universe, and it becomes kind of romantic and sweet in that way uh, that they're kind of in this little pocket universe of theirs, even if even if it is never necessarily explained that way. Uh, 
I, so I do kind of recommend this movie because I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's great, but uh, I, I also think there's one other thing that I think held this movie back and made it probably come up very short in terms of box office this weekend and barely made the top 10 um, is that everybody's going to be looking at this going, David Duchovny should be Tom Hanks. And yeah, kind of. This is like, this would play very well if Tom Hanks were playing that character and this were sort of a coda to the to the whole you know, Nora Ephron universe of theirs. Uh, this would play as a good coda that, to that because it is also a movie that's dedicated to the memory of Nora Ephron. Uh, so there is that. Uh, Duchovny at times does feel like a stand-in, but uh, he's, he comes through in the end. They both come through in the end, and I do like this movie. Wow. I wasn't expecting that last week. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't either. Um, assuming you didn't see it, Jeff. I did not see it. Where is, it, is this available, or did this go to the theaters? It's in the theaters. Yeah, it it failed in the theaters. I'm not sure if it'll be there uh, much longer. <laughs> um, I think they're already talking about when it's going to be on streaming. So I mean, this is the ideal streaming movie. For the people that, you know, a Meg Ryan rom-com would be perfect for Netflix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of streaming, our next movie is Quiz Lady on Hulu. Yes, uh, Quiz Lady starring Aquafina and Sandra Oh and uh, directed by Jenny Yu. Uh, Tells the story of a very awkward, or Jessica Yu. Uh, a very awkward woman who works in an office who whose life revolves around this quiz, quiz show called Can't Stop the Quiz, hosted by uh, Will Ferrell's character. Uh, he uh, she, she watches the show every night. She has ever since her parents uh, split up, and it's been kind of her comfort thing, uh, to the point where she's memorized all the questions and the tropes, and she knows everything. And uh, Eventually, through a series of convoluted things, she gets uh, an opportunity to go on the show uh, via her sister, played by Sandra Oh, who's this wild and crazy woman who just you know, is a tornado of a human being and comes in and messes everything up. This movie's dumb. This movie's dumb as hell. I hated this movie. Uh, this movie is not funny. I, I think I counted two laughs. They're both uh, Paul Rubens related. One is that uh, Aquafina's neighbor, played by Holland Taylor, has a picture of Paul Rubens in her apartment uh, that she thinks is Alan Cummings, which made me laugh. That did make me laugh. And then Paul Rubens shows up late in the movie, and that, too, also made me laugh. So, you know, a tribute to Paul Rubens, I guess, but there's no other laugh in the entire movie. It's <laughs> it's still kind of a watchable movie, uh, but it's just sort of there. It's just kind of on, and you're just kind of witnessing it happen, and you're just kind of waiting for something funny to happen that's just not happening. You can see a movie that thinks it's funny, but never actually try, never actually rises to actually being funny, and uh, that's really the downfall of this film. Yeah, it took me three times to get through it. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I mean, it was just long, and uh, I guess I didn't hate it as much as you do, but I definitely didn't like it. It's more forgettable than anything. Fair, fair, fair. Jeff, did you finish it? <laughs> I finished it. Um, again, yeah, like Sean said, there was not a lot of laughs. Um, you know, I I love everybody in it. That's the thing, except well, I don't love Will Ferrell in most things. But I, 
I love Aquafina. I love Sandra O. Oh, I love Holland Taylor. Um, she did have a laugh for me, aside from the whole, you know, Alan Cumming running joke. But when she looks at the dog in the audience, she goes, shut up. I just laughed. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but that's Holland Taylor. That's her, de- you know, her delivery is what that's all about. Um, I, I think that it, it, it didn't know if it wanted to be a drama or a comedy and it kind of failed at both. Um, you know, they could have played everything much broader and written some better jokes for it, or they could have made it, you know, a real kind of downer. (laughs) You know, I think they thought it was funny that the dog got kidnapped and, you know, the rescue of the dog should have been much more dramatic, but it just kind of all of a sudden the dog's back, you know, the, you never see the mother, but she looms over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, you know, some of the, my biggest laugh was at the end when they're going through like this person did this and so-and-so did that. And the lady, the um, lady at the restaurant, I think, I kind of forgot where she was from. It did take me twice, two times to watch this. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> this lady turned out to be a murderer. That was like, the lady old folk home where the mom yeah, yeah 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 i mean i thought that was funny because she just seemed like the type you know she was a rule follower and you know she was probably an angel of death and um i i don't know it just wasn't it wasn't very funny it wasn't you got three laughs i got two yeah <laughs> i guess i'm an easier lay for laughs than you are. <laughs> bob did you count your laughs for i did not <laughs> count them if they if i did have them they were internal <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I know, like, coming into today, I was like, I know I saw it. I finished it last night, but I couldn't remember how it ended. So to watch the ending again, that's how <laughs> yeah. how much I wasn't paying attention. I, I kind of yeah. felt like Sandra O oh was trying too hard. I like her a mm-hmm. lot, but it it kind of hurt the chemistry between her and Aquafina. Uh, but why are why are you casting Aquafina in this? in this role like this makes no sense to me not that she should play the sister because i don't want to necessarily get rid of sandro i think there were some things she was doing well but aquafina is like a live wire she's like she's very funny she's very witty she's very quick why would you take her and put her in this role and say okay don't do any of the things that people like from you don't be charming in any way just be this dour frump that hates the world and is terrified of everything uh, that's just not her. That's not who she is. She's so funny. Why would you cast her in a non-funny role like this? I mean, even in the drama she was in, the wonderful drama, The Farewell, she's still funny in that. <laughs> she's not playing this just you know straight up Aquafina. She's in a very you know she's in this relatively serious family situation, but she still finds ways to be charming and funny and show you you know sides of herself. Here she's just playing this one down note the entire movie, and you're like, "This is Aquafina. She's funny. Why am I not laughing?" And I don't blame her for that. I think, I mean, she did it. Uh, it was just the character was so poorly written that uh, it doesn't matter how good she was, you're distracted doing, doing exactly what Sean said, saying this is Aquafina, not the character. Uh, and yeah, and. and I don't mind Will Ferrell, but putting him in this is just a distraction. Uh, it, it's cheap laughs for his fans, so hopefully they'll like, they'll watch it and la- laugh. But 
uh, I don't. Yeah, it didn't that, add that, to the story at all. That is a good point. They're laughing at Will Ferrell only because of the the echoes of the of his Alex Trebek on SNL. That's what you're mm-hmm. laughing at. If you laughed at anything in this movie, it's probably remembering that he was Alex Trebek on SNL. That's what you're laughing at, not anything he did in this movie. I do think it's one of those movies, though, as you're writing it or you're talking about it with your friends, it's probably funnier in the room than it is when you finally execute it. <laughs> you know, the whole yeah. shitting in a hole and being the hero. You know, that whole premise wasn't really that funny. But I'm sure when they're writing it, they're all on the floor laughing. They just, you know, didn't really. <laughs> what make if it. we shit in a hole? Oh my god, that would be so. You know, like I can see it, right? And hear it. And they're like the episodes of this movie, like the little the bits. I mean, they could have been played up. Like Tony Hale is hilarious, but as Benjamin Franklin, you know, right. it's a random bit. It has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's just sort of. It's just sort of there. They're just like, it's a sketch that's interrupting the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the more I think about it, the more I dislike it now that we're talking about it. <laughs> I mean, just the whole. Honestly, like there was a little bit of chemistry between Aquafina and Tony Hale. I thought, well, is, is that where we're going with this? <laughs> is he going to develop into a love interest? Is that why he's here? Uh, I mean, it's a weird combination, but I did. I would have bought that at the very least, to, just to give him a reason to be there. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it just comes back to her being a poorly written character. Yeah. I mean, it's part Rain Man, part. I mean, it, it's just none of it makes sense. And then to put her in that role isn't fair to her. Uh, but I don't know. I'm sure it read better than it is. Anything else on Quiz Lady? Don't bother. <laughs> Our classic this week is Quiz Show. <laughs> quiz Show, yes. In this movie, everyone needs to see. Quiz Show from 1994, directed by Robert Redford and starring Ray Fiennes, John Turturro, and Rob Morrow, uh, captures a moment in time, a flashpoint in American history, in the history of the growth of American cynicism. Cynicism has always been with us. But I feel like there are certain flashpoints in the history of American cynicism that that we've kind of, you know, our, our, our willingness to turn on the things that we're supposed to rely on are sort of built upon things like Watergate, Vietnam, Iraq, all these various lies and scandals that we've been subjected to over the years. But there is something sort of. Uh, of a progenitor when it comes to the quiz show scandal. When you take all the elements of the quiz show scandal of the early 1950s, you're talking about people who are looking at these faces on television that they want to trust, that they want to believe in, and having that thrown back in their face by this guy was lying and cheating the whole time. Uh, this person that you chose to believe in is a total as a liar and a fake, and everybody around him was a liar and a fake. And it's kind of like the beginning, the sort of the cracks in the armor of people having any belief in leaders, in the media, in institutions. And I think Redford captures that brilliantly uh, throughout this movie with the choices that he makes in how to tell this story, which is about a real story about uh, a quiz show called 21, which in the 1950s underwent a scandal in which they had been giving the questions ahead of time to the contestants and giving them the answers to the questions. And deciding who would win beforehand uh, so they could, you know, if 
the audience is reacting to this person. We'll keep them around for a while until they're not reacting to them and then replace them with somebody else. In the case of uh, the somebody else uh, in, that eventually comes along is Charles Van Doren, played by Ray Fiennes, who's movie star handsome and super intelligent, and he captures the imagination of the American public for a time. But, of course, he's cheating, and we know that, and everybody will come to know that. Uh, there's an op- The opening sequence of this movie is fucking brilliant. We start off in a bank vault where they're opening up this uh, safe deposit box and they pull out this envelope and they hand it off to an armed guard and the armed guard gets into a, to an armored car and is escorted by police to 30 Rock where 21 is being uh, filmed. And they take the envelope and they give it right to Jack Berry, the host, and it's all this all this big show about how, you know, the integrity of these questions that they, that they're going to ask on this quiz show. And they put that in the marketing of the show to people, you know, telling them about how they, the process of coming up with their questions and keeping them uh, a big state secret. Uh, And the whole, the whole burlesque of it all is just brilliantly captured. And of course he's going to throughout the rest of the movie, deconstruct that image and totally destroy and re- reveal the artifice of it all, the Hollywood of it all. It's just fucking brilliant. I love this movie. Yeah, I agree. The cynicism's not shoved down your throat either. It's just yeah. there uh, in, in the background. And uh, if you're not paying attention to it, it's just a movie about why do we even care? <laughs> you know, and, you know, for that, that, and Redford's not afraid of losing that part of the audience. You know, the ones who want to see Die Hard or whatever. Uh, no offense to Die Hard, but the lesser diehards, uh, <clears throat> you know that audience is not going to like this. They're going to be like, "Who cares? It's pro wrestling. Let it be fake." Uh, but if you're actually watching the movie, that it really is fascinating. The whole thing. I just, it, it's. I I loved every second of it. You when you start putting what's going on today back there, it, it just kind of helps you understand it's always been around. You know, now we just have so much access to everything, but uh, people have always sucked, and it's <laughs> this movie does a great job of capturing it without shoving it down your throat. Yeah, yeah I think this it's this movie is just so much about the performances, and you know, I I always loved Rob Morrow. I thought he was really good on you know everything he's been in and. He just kind of has that earnestness that you needed in, you know, in the Goodwin character. And I think <clears throat> for me, he was, even though, you know, you've got Ray Fiennes and John Turturro in the movie, his performance is what really sold it for me. Uh, and then John Turturro can pretty much do no wrong in my eyes. Um, and to see, you know, the turn in his face when they ask him to throw the show. And not even Ma. though, what's that? Not Marty. Yeah. <laughs> and even though, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the, even though you know, if you've read anything about this, what's going to happen and that he's going to do it, you still have that suspense in that moment when they're like, you know, go ahead. And he, is he going to say on the waterfront? Is he going to say it? And then he does. And you're just like, oh, and then you're <laughs> Then you think, oh, I knew that was going to happen. I've read, I've read this story. So, masterfully directed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right about Rob Morrow, and, it, and it's such a complicated performance too, because he could just be this hard-charging guy who doesn't care about you know 
taking down Charles Van Doren. But, but he could be Kevin Costner and JFK. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So just a, yeah, this totally. Yeah. Uh, it's, but he, he has so many layers to it because he comes to actually genuinely like Charles Van Doren and understand why Charles Van Doren did what he did. And he sees the bigger picture. The bigger picture here is that NBC and Geritol were manipulating this whole thing as much as they're going to throw it all on Enright and Enright's could toss it all on Van Doren and Stemple. Uh, and the public is going to go after Van Doren because he's the public face. The bigger picture here was that TV, and you know, we see in the you know in the postscript, you know, Dan Enright got away with this. Jack Berry got away with this. They went on to make more TV shows, even after this, more game shows after this. Somehow, uh, Geritol, NBC didn't pay uh, a dime. Uh, didn't have to do anything in changing their practices. It all went on Van Doren, and he didn't deserve all of that. He shouldn't have cheated. He shouldn't have cheated. That's true. But all he did was cheat on a TV show. He was kind of, you know, he took, they took advantage of his weakness. Now, he's not perfect, but he's not the ultimate villain here. That was Martin Scorsese. <laughs> well, it was several people, but that was what's so fascinating about it is, you know, it's there's always a scapegoat. You know, the people that, there's never accountability for those that, you know, where there should be accountability. And that's what's so frustrating with everyday life. <laughs> you know, the cheaters always do better and the, those that and they're always setting up their own scapegoats and that's exactly what happened here and uh, i mean again surface level it seems kind of silly because it's just a game show on tv uh but movie and i don't even know like redford doesn't always direct well he does a lot of times but there's times where he's not so this was you know this was up there with you know something the Coen brothers could do or square says or a lot of other great directors. It's that good. I was really, really impressed with it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, there's a, there's one little tiny small scene in this movie that is so powerful and it's just the head of NBC sitting in that, th- sitting in that hearing, talking back and forth with the chairman going, I'll get you on the golf course later and we'll you know beat your ass. And it's like, this is, this is garbage. <laughs> This guy's already won. Like this is there's no point to anything. It's it's the most cynical point in the movie, but yet you don't even realize it because it's not played so heavily. It's it's just sort of presented to you, and you're just kind of sitting there in awe of that moment, going, "Man, that is what's happening, isn't it?" Yeah. Like every time one of these guys finishes one of these you know congressional hearings, they're going up to the you know congressman of their choice and shaking their hand and you know, going out to dinner later. Yeah, it, it's just disgusting. Uh, it, it's a good way to, I don't know, it, it's, that's the stuff that makes me ma- more, more upset than, like, murder and stuff. Like, those are such horrible people. Uh, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Anything else on Quiz Show? Uh, just watch it. If you've never seen Quiz Show, it's incredible, and you should absolutely watch it. This was my first time seeing it, so I'm glad I got to cross it off the list. Uh, 1993, what did you guys watch this week? We watched Fearless uh, with uh, Jeff Bridges, which uh, I know wasn't on your list, but it is on the list that I had uh, for this week. And uh, so that's what we watched. Uh, it's directed by Peter Weir. and uh, stars Jeff Bridges as a guy who survives a plane crash and turns into a complete asshole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's how I saw it anyway. Amy says it's a you know 
a lovely depiction of grief and survivor's guilt. I just thought he was an asshole. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that'll be in your inbox soon, Bob. Excellent. Uh, and last week's episode will be coming out a day after this one drops, so it's already been on the schedule. Next week, we got the Marvels. Uh, are we going to watch the Killer, the Fincher movie? Uh, it's not. I mean, it's not on any list that I have. It's on Netflix. Uh, I, think it's, I think they're putting it out theatrically, and it won't be on Netflix for a while yet. Uh, I thought I said this Friday. I don't. I mean, maybe. I could be wrong, but I haven't. All I right. They did. Netflix dropped Nyad on on friday and didn't tell anybody so i guess maybe they're they're taking up the apple tv model of just not telling people when they're putting stuff out anymore <laughs> i'm googling it well it's right got now. lesbians in it they don't want people to freak out and you know they don't want the state of florida to come after netflix it's actually already been in theater since october 27th uh it's scheduled to begin streaming on november 10th all right uh we can see how many Weird. hours it is <laughs> I don't have that in front of me. Uh, but we can play it by ear, because I know we have planned uh, Defending My Life. It's a documentary about Albert Brooks. And our classic is going to be two Albert Brooks movies, Real Life and Defending Your Life. Uh, and then have you decided about next week's 93 yet? Uh, next week's 93, uh, no, we've not really decided, because we're kind of, uh, we're trying to decide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's hard because, like, Fearless was a really uh, a heavy movie. And uh, next week, the, <laughs> the, piano. Like, the Carlito, it's either like Carlito's Way, which none of us want to watch, and, uh, and and My Life with Michael Keaton. But <laughs> as a cancer patient, he's leaving his oh. child. And it's like, I don't know if we can have much fun with that. So, Well, The Three Musketeers comes out. There, there is that. There is that. But uh, uh, that's probably going to be the one. But um, yeah, next week ninety ninety three is getting getting tough. It's getting tough to. to <laughs> well, I mean the piano the too. Answer, that's hilarious. <laughs> the piano is not really a movie you make fun of either. Uh, <laughs> plus, we did a lot on that just last year. I think maybe the year before. Yeah. All right, <clears throat> you guys want to run quiz show through a uh, flick chart? Sure. Sure. Let's see if I can find it. <laughs> Dead air is always good for audio podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, while we're while we have a little bit of dead air, they just announced Terrifier Three is coming out next year. And it's a Christmas movie. Ah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what body parts Art the Clown is going to stick down your chimney. <laughs> Hopefully it's not three and a half hours long. Quiz show or elephant? Quiz show. Quiz show. Agreed. Quiz show or Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis? Well, clearly it's Freaky Friday. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Quiz show or the Lost Highway? Quiz show. 
Lost Highway. I'll go quiz show, but someday I would love to have you explain that movie to me. I want to like it so much, and I can't. I keep watching it over and over again, and I just can't get into it. <laughs> quiz show, The Silver Linings Playbook. Quiz Silver show. Linings. I'm going to go with Silver Linings, but I, I think they're both masterpieces. Quiz show, Misery. Quiz show. <laughs> Misery is one of my all-time favorite movies, so yeah, Misery. I understand. I'm going to do a quiz show. Quiz show, Dr. Strangelove. Quiz show. A little recency bias, but... Stanley Kubrick's How I, Dr. Strangelove I had never seen before we watched it for the show, and I love it, so I'm going to pick that. Me too. Again, that's they're both great movies. Quiz show, The Born Ultimatum. Quiz show. Quiz show. Yeah. Quiz show American Graffiti. Quiz show. Quiz show. Yep. Quiz show Rocky Four. Quiz show. Quiz show. Yeah. Sorry, Bob. I mean, I'd watch Rocky Four, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> I'm aware that it's all him just working out. Uh, Quiz show The Hunger Games and Mockingjay Part One. Quiz show. Quiz show. Agreed. Quiz show The Evil Dead. Quiz Show. Evil Dead. It was Evil Dead 2, maybe. But I'm still going to go Quiz Show. That puts us at 226 behind Ocean's 13, <laughs> Gravity, <laughs> Corpse Bride, 2001, Batman Begins, The Nice Guys, The Fugitive, The Martian. Yes, flip, flip chart is deeply flawed. Yes, we understand. <laughs> it's our fault. Josh, Josh you I was going to say, I think it's the... <laughs> User error. Yeah. Uh, we've righted some of it, though. We got Exorcist way up there. <laughs> Thanks to Sean dropping off that one episode. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that is our show. I know it's a short one. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week.